There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Never Gets Old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand and sustainable. This is a podcast about the resale economy, what it means for the future of fashion, what it means for your closet, your wallet, the planet. I am your host, Meredith Feynman, and I am joined, per usual, by my bestie in the Westie, producer Sarah Lane. Meredith, I am waiting with bated breath to find out what our topic is today. And hello. Hello. (laughs) Before we were recording, I was talking to you about this amazing Quartz article about how, duh, the future of fashion is nothing new, trademark by me. Basically how there is no better time to shop secondhand. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe it's because we're doing the podcast, so I'm a little bit more hyper aware, but I don't think so. I feel like this trend is starting to pop up all around me. Large companies like Amazon are announcing that they're launching recycling programs for third-party vendors rather than just throwing out stuff that isn't getting sold. Smaller companies seem to be emerging with uh, sustainable ideas that I kind of hear people talk about. It's very motivating and it warms my heart. I won't lie. I mean, I want to start this podcast because I want to do something with you and I want to give all my secondhand knowledge and my obsession with this industry, but also I really saw it beginning to truly explode. And I think it is just poised. I mean, with the real, real getting a billion dollar valuation and IPOing, it's only just going to get bigger. Uh, We have so much stuff. And whether companies like an Amazon are just doing some lip service or they actually mean it, everybody is making an effort to be more sustainable, particularly in fashion. And it is a big question about what the big brands are going to do, which we've talked about. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about denim, and I'm really excited for this episode. But before that, I have to admit I'm a little fried. As some INGO listeners know, my book, Brag Better, coming out next June with Penguin Random House, is due in about two weeks on September 1st. So I was editing earlier this morning, but then in true INGO form, I thought to myself, I want a new duvet cover. And then instead of editing my manuscript, I decided to tie-dye my current duvet cover. Wow, so first of all, kudos, you're a brave woman. Is this the sort of tie-dye that I used to do when I was a kid with my dad's old t-shirt where you tie rubber bands around it and kind of dip it in various colors? Totally. And actually, we should do an episode on this because tie-dye is back in a major freaking way. Like, literally, it's just the 90s. On Friday, I went to the chiropractor, Helm in my 30s, in black shorteralls, tevas, and a tie-dyed t-shirt. 
And it could have just been me in fourth grade. I mean, this is me as a 32-year-old woman. (laughs) But I looked in the mirror and I was like, well... It's 1996. I love it. The Tevas, I don't know, but knowing you, you've got the really cool Tevas, not the ones that my parents used to wear that used to embarrass me. I tried to find some cool Tevas because they're like coming back and I really wanted Outdoor Voices, did a collaboration with Tevas. They sold out immediately. Yeah, they just kind of are great. Even though my fourth grade to sixth grade self is horrified. I remember when my mom would make me wear Tevas on like certain family vacations. And I remember they were black with like embroidery, like blue Hawaiian flowers. Yep. Now you can find them on eBay. But let's talk about a secondhand world that I love not quite as much as denim. I would say denim is my favorite. But we're going to talk about leather. Yeah. Secondhand leather. It's a huge world. So many people ping me, DM me over the past couple years, months about leather jackets specifically. And I'm actually on the hunt for you, Sarah, perennially for a leather jacket. That's right. The white leather jacket that is going to be my perfect fit. And it's out there and it's waiting for me. We just we just have to unearth it. Exactly. So I also, in addition to collecting denim jackets, I would say collect leather jackets. I love them. I think they're eternally chic. They keep you kind of warm. They're a great thing to throw over an outfit. And in the way that I feel this about denim, you should never buy new leather. Obviously, I am committed to secondhand fashion and clothing in general, but also I'm going to explain why and how you can find great secondhand leather and what you should be looking for. Sarah, have you ever bought a secondhand leather jacket? Back a few episodes ago, I mentioned that I had, it has it it sadly, tragically been lost somewhere in the last few years, but I had a faux leather uh, kind of camel colored jacket. And I always got compliments on it. People love that jacket. Otherwise, the only other leather jacket that I currently have that I wear all the time, not in the summer, <laughs> in LA, no leather jackets, but the rest of the year, I love, 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 love my All Saints motorcycle jacket. The funny thing is, is that I did buy it new and it was a pretty penny, you know, it was probably over $500 and it's distressed looking. And I now see that leather jacket all over Poshmark for uh, a lot less than I paid for it new, obviously. And the funny thing is, it's like, he doesn't really ever look any older because it looked old to begin with. Well, and that's the thing about leather jackets is I think that they're best secondhand for many different reasons. But one is that you want someone else to break it in for you. And a leather jacket is the sort of thing where, and any sort of leather garment, but I would say leather jackets are the most popular, moto jackets. I'm going to talk a little bit about the history, which is really fun. But they only look better over time. Like the more you beat the crap out of them, they just really look better. And honestly, you never know. I have, well, I have a whole jacket um, closet, but I, I have a section, a subsection of that jacket closet, which is black leather jackets. And my favorite, I mean, I have like an acne one, a fancy one. I'll get into some of the like really fancy, I would consider top of the line ones. But my favorite one is was secondhand from a thrift store from Zara. I mean, I don't even know what it's made of. It's, it's definitely not real leather, which we will talk about too. But I want to talk a little bit about the history of the leather jacket. So when I talk about the history of the leather jacket, I mean the motorcycle jacket is sort of a catch-all. But in the way that many other American garments, very American garments, it has a history like denim in utility. And it was genuinely for bikers, workers, pilots, I mean, it's it's very deep Americana and it's funny now, like in the likes of Harley Davidson, famous motorcycle company, 
people are really after those heavy leather jackets that anyone would have looked at before and been like, you're totally crazy for wearing one of them. It's so interesting that Harley Davidson has come around both in t-shirts. I collect vintage t-shirts, so I've noticed how, how much they resell for, but also Harley Davidson, like actual thick, thick, thick leather jackets. Sarah would probably swallow you, but they're pretty bomb, I have to admit. Yeah, there was a time where something Harley Davidson, you'd be like, are you in a motorcycle gang? Do you belong to the Hells Angels? It was like such a statement that I would I wouldn't dream of it. And now you're right. It is. It's a trend. It's a look. So it's funny when you think of Harley Davidson, you do think of bikers. But I actually once bought a Harley Davidson secondhand incredible motorcycle jacket. And it ended up being too heavy, which I will get into sort of the vintage ones and what you should look out for versus these high-end contemporary, the Eros, the All Saints of the World. And I bought it. It was so heavy, but it was so cool. And I put my hands in the pockets. And like, sometimes there's a little surprise when you buy things secondhand. Like, sometimes it's a gross Kleenex. Sometimes it's a gross receipt. Like, I hate to see it. But I put my hands in the pockets and pulled out a pair of motorcycle gloves. Ooh. Do you think that they meant, they probably did not mean to leave the motorcycle gloves in the jacket. They just were there. I don't know. So this this Harley Davidson jacket belonged to someone that was actually riding a motorcycle because it had the matching gloves. And I sold the jacket, but I kept the gloves <laughs> in case I, you know, ever decide to ride a motorcycle or in, in my heart of hearts, I have a Vespa. But like, that's a terrible idea for me for so many reasons. Well, like, you know, you also live in a place where it's going to get cold in the winter. I mean, gloves come in handy if they fit you. Yeah, but they're fingerless. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's another look, right? <laughs> that's, that you re- you could really uh, you could dress down an evening gown, perhaps. So this is so funny. I'm reading from Wikipedia, but leather jackets can be designed for many purposes, and specific styles have been associated with subcultures such as greasers, rednecks, cowboys, motorcyclists, military aviators, mobsters, police, secret agents, and music subcultures, parentheses, punks, goths, metalheads, rivetheads, who have worn the garment for protective or fashionable reasons and occasionally to create a potentially intimidating appearance. Wow, you really covered uh, (laughs) quite a few folks uh, in that list. So I I identify with some of them more than others, but okay, all right, we got a solid crew. We have something new to celebrate, which is National Leather Jacket Day, occurs every June 14th since 1975 that was proposed by Hells Angels. Did not know that. We'll have to celebrate next June. And a little bit of history. In the early 1900s, aviators, other military people wore flight jackets. A lot of them were leather. Uh, Some of these A1 flight jackets that are nylon, which I'll link to that also have come back in, in popularity. But Also, the cut of the bomber jacket, which I will link to like the cuts of what we're talking about, motorcycle versus bomber, parts of uniforms for bomber pilots. They often had fleece or sheepskin in them. I mean, again, with an Americana piece, deeply tied to history, deeply tied to wearing this for utility. And so it's interesting. I love vintage leather jackets like this that are older than you know, 30, 40 years old. But when you're looking for them, especially if you're looking for them online, you have to be careful because they are very heavy. Yeah. They were trying to insulate a bomber pilot or maybe not necessarily that far back, but they come from deep utility. So if you're going to buy one, if you're going to get a Harley Davidson one, I always suggest trying leather jackets on, especially if they're vintage. That's true of anything vintage, I think. But they're just like really, really almost too heavy to be wearable. Well, I think part of it too is if you go to the back to the motorcycle gang, part of it is 
it's protective. Not only is it keeping you warm, but if you bail, you're not going to take your arm off, the skin off of your arm. The leather jacket is actually a layer of protection. Totally. My favorite part of that Wikipedia, though, that it was made to maybe create an intimidating appearance, which (laughs) I mean, gone are those days. I guess it depends on the person. But nobody when I put my All Saints leather jacket and, you know, chin up as I walk down the streets of Echo Park, I don't think I'm intimidating anybody. Well, you know, you never know. I have a terrible resting bitch face. So maybe that (laughs) paired with I actually have one leather jacket that I bought new that's so bomb from Zara in Paris, and it is covered in spikes and patches. So yeah, again, it's like really not doing me any favors in terms of approachability. But what can I say? But I will say the resurgence of vintage cuts and feels for leather jackets, whether it's Bomber, whether it's Moto, has been going on for a long, long time, long, long, long time. But it's interesting to watch Shot, S-C-H-O-T-T, which is one of the original leather jacket brands. They've been around for a really long time. And there is sort of resurgence almost... I wouldn't say it's quite like the resurgence of Doc Martens, but in, in some respects, Shot is like the the ultimate vintage original Levi's of leather jackets. And they have had a crazy resurgence. They have stores in like New York and LA and they've taken out original shot jackets are very heavy, but now they have a whole sort of rebirth of ones that are meant to not just be worn like, well, welding. So let's talk for a second about the morality issue and leather for ingo listeners one thing we've discussed a lot about is how nobody's a perfect consumer but if you are vegan if that's something you care about there are a lot of great secondhand leather options which is sometimes something that people even though they don't eat meat or you know are more vegan focused in other areas of their lives like i have a friend who is is a staunch vegan has been for a long time but she will wear secondhand leather and fur that's controversial to some people but there are lots of options now sarah like you mentioned that jacket that are vegan leather and those abound from like stella mccartney ones to i don't know sarah if you like like me when in college in my 20s had a lot of things that we would call pleather yes but that's that's also an option i had a pleather black skirt it was really short so it was like it was the sort of thing you'd kind of wear with an oversized top and boots or you know it's I don't know why I had this thing and I think I bought it for like yeah like five dollars at some sort of a thrift store a thrift store that I can't even remember it was American rag actually I do remember where I got it I was definitely oh, in American college rag. good old American yeah. rag yeah it was kind of hideous But it was so small, it just kind of fit my body really well. I got a lot of mileage out of that thing. It was definitely not real leather. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how, quote, sustainable pleather is, but we've all worn pleather. Like, shout out to pleather. I had this, I used to live in Argentina, actually home of incredible leather, and got a couple secondhand jackets there. And in Argentina, you basically can just, as in many other places, you can just pick out a fit and a size and someone, a beautiful leather jacket will be made for you. But I did buy this like sort of pleathery skirt. I think it was also probably from a flea market or a secondhand store. And it was made of such unbelievable shit. I actually wouldn't even call this pleather that I remember thinking it was really cute and I got a lot of wear out of it. And again, I was in my early 20s. 
I just remember being at a bar in Argentina and sitting down on what was sort of like supposed to be a trendy, chic, light colored, like poof, kind of like stool type thing on the ground. And when I got up, half of the skirt was on the on the chair. Oh, dear. <laughs> just the coating just like came right off. And I was like, oh, guys, we got to leave. We have to leave now. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> you know, we've all worn pleather. Some people want to wear leather, some don't. But one thing and one reason why we're talking about this on INGO is that there has been a glut in the way that there was almost overproduction of very high-end denim. Same thing happened with leather jackets. So, like, I don't know, five, ten years ago, in order to get a nice leather jacket, like, sorry, you're talking about an All Saints jacket. I'm trying to think of a few other brands, like, Doma or Eros, a more recent one I'll talk about, uh, Vince, a lot of those luxury contemporary brands began making leather jackets, theory, and they were astronomical, like completely astronomical price-wise, and they still sell them, but they overproduced them, and they are everywhere. They are all over Poshmark, they are all over the real real, and they are for really low prices. Sarah, what did you see that All Saints jacket, which is one of the most popular, and I think they have great leather jackets, uh, what was it going for on Poshmark? It was in the 200s, and I know for a fact I, I paid more than 500 because I remember, not exactly the day, but I remember being like, well, this is a piece that will be in my wardrobe for a million years, and so... When you, when you, you know, you kind of divide it by year, this is a really good investment, Sarah, just buy the jacket. Cause I had wanted one for a really long time. All Saints has several styles, but this particular style, it just looked so good. And, and this is, again, it was in San Francisco, so I know it was a long time ago. Yeah, it is, it's less than half of that price now. And all of the jackets that I see on Poshmark, and some of them are my size, I think, hmm, well, <laughs> if I ever lose this, I would probably want this jacket again because I like it so much. And now at least I know where to not buy it full price again. Totally. And leather jackets in the secondhand world, as I said, there's so many of them. They have they have just absolutely plummeted in price. So what are some recommendations when you're going to shop for one secondhand online? Always look at measurements. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. I have like several tape measures that I break out when I'm looking at something on like a Poshmark or it can't be returned. Like, you know, if you're somewhere not the real, real eBay, what have you. Because again, you have to make sure it's going to fit in the shoulders, whether you want it oversized or not. That's a really important thing to look out for. You know, if it's well worn in, I think you can negotiate on price. But sometimes, you know, Sarah, like we're talking about, that looks even better. Uh, check zippers, check buttons. Leather's very hard to repair. So if something has a tear in it. And some some leather jackets are way more delicate than others. Like some brands, like an Eero jacket, IRO, they're out of France. Their jackets are very expensive, very beautiful, and they're made of, of very sort of buttery, I believe it's lambskin. And if you get a tear in one of those, that is almost impossible to repair. You just have to be cool with it. And so you need to ask specifically and see specifically what the damage is because that is really pricey to do. And the same goes with overall just sort of care. I spoke in a previous episode about how expensive it is to clean leather. It's really expensive to clean leather. Uh, There's a myriad of techniques to doing it yourself, things you can buy to clean. I wouldn't do that just because it ekes me out, but it's really expensive to do. So if something is stained and it's a light color leather, that stuff's really hard to get out. It's really pricey. So you sort of have to think about this as is. 
But I will say, like, the prices you can get on leather jackets right now are crazy. In my opinion, like, my two favorite brands for leather jackets are also conveniently and, duh, obviously the most expensive ones, which are Acne and Saint Laurent, unfortunately. Well, you have expensive taste, but you're also uh, a bargain chick, so I have faith that when you find these jackets, said jackets, that you, uh, you make sure that the price is right. Well, Acne makes really great leather jackets. They're expensive. They're still expensive secondhand. Um, I bought one from friend of the podcast, Abby McLucas, Gift of Garb, and it's sort of this great older Acne cut, oversized, like really, really nice leather. And she was having like a Black Friday sale or Cyber Monday, like one of the few things I bought online. In general, those can be a little bit pricier. Another thing to really look out for is basically brands and sizing of leather jackets. So I'll go through at least what I know. So like a Vince and a Theory, those are going to run true to size. I would say that Vince is going to be a little bit on the big side. I stand Zara and Zara leather jackets or pleather jackets or whatever on earth they're made of because I think that they're great cuts and trendy and you can get them for even less secondhand anywhere. I'm sure they have them on like a thread up or in your local, you know, American rag or crossroads. Eero jackets run pretty small, but you also need to build in stretch. If it's already stretched out, that's one thing. If it's new or a newer jacket and you can ask someone, then you have to account for having to kind of break it in. Acne runs very small, very, very small. And their leather jackets are are much thicker and a little bit coarser. And so that is something to consider. Now, St. Laurent. This is completely ridiculous. I have insanely expensive taste. St. Laurent makes the most classic motorcycle jacket, and I really want it, but it is. They retail like, I don't know, $6,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when, when I heard six, I thought you were going to say something like six ninety five or, all right, so we're, we're in the quads. No, it's bad. It's bad. Like, it's bad. So St. Laurent leather jackets, I mean, first of all, you have the St. Laurent piece of it. Um, They've been making classic leather jackets for a long time. For a long time, they only made them for men. I actually saw one at Wasteland in Los Angeles, a black one that fit me. And I can't believe I'm saying this. It was only $1,000. In that situation, I probably would have flipped it because online, uh, St. Laurent leather jackets, you can't find them for under three grand. So I just can't do it. Like maybe if someone like has a giant rip in one or like stained it or like put it through like a garbage disposal then I'll be able to to get one but they're completely ridiculous like it is just I acknowledge that it is really ridiculous but shout out to any INGO listeners if you have one and want to sell it to me (laughs) (laughs) you know let me ask you for a second because you mentioned how some brands are kind of known to run big or run small kind of the way that some other types of companies in different industries would want to band together for a standard to make it better for the consumer in general, meaning that the companies end up getting more out of the uh, happy consumer. Why is it that a company like Acne would be known to run small? Why does that happen with brands? You know, you're in the same price point as other premium brands. What's the deal? So this is a big industry question. I think it's just that there are no set regulations. And there are lots of YouTube videos or other bloggers, particularly ones that are plus size, talking about how different, different like size 14s are, 16s are at different places. But like I know particularly and you know, too, that like I'm a size four in some pants and I'm a size 
eight, 10 in other pants. Like it just, it wildly varies. And so I think that sometimes it has to do with the country and I want to really get into sizing and I believe size inequality and all that I have to say about that. But because also the future of fashion is without size. I mean, it's just time and brands are finally catching up to this, but there's a boutique near me that I have been shopping at for many years and I recently found out because this didn't have to occur to me uh, that they only stock their their clothing up to a size 10. And I came at them for it. I said, that's just completely unacceptable. But anyway, that's a roundabout way of saying it just tends to be some designers in some countries. So in my experience, UK designers run minuscule. Like Kate Middleton must be the size of a watercracker. So like Alexander McQueen, I don't even think I can fit in Alexander McQueen. Uh like Alexander McQueen, other UK brands, I was just trying to buy something self-portrait. They run insanely small. Italian, also tiny. French, small but less small. And then American, really I think they're everyone is just all over the place. Like I don't know if you've noticed that with certain designers for you, Sarah, that you're just wildly different sizes. Uh, yeah. Well, it's funny because on some of my favorite new secondhand websites, because I'm just, I'm an internet fiend. And so you've, you've really unlocked something in me, Mayor. Thanks a lot. I do. Cause like on Poshmark, for example, you can set your size, right? So if you're searching for like pink shirt, you can just hit the, my size button and just filter out all this larges and extra larges. Like I would never be able to fit into any of that stuff. But when you're talking about something that's a little bit more of a tailored look like a blouse, you know, they have double zero, zero, and two. And it's like, I am sometimes at double zero, which is the stupidest thing in the whole world. The fact that we even have that as a size just offends me. However, I often fit into it. And then zero is kind of usually what it is. But like sometimes it's a two. That's why I get so annoyed with the varying types of sizes when it comes to brands. I guess if you really know your brand and you're really loyal to a brand, you figure it out once and then you're fine. But if you want a lot of variety, it stops me from being a little bit more adventurous because I think to myself, well, I'm probably a zero, but what if it comes and then it's like not the right size and then it's a whole hassle where I have to like ship it back. So I wish that brands would get on the same train and, and help us out a little bit more. Well, that's why I think too, like one thing, you just have to throw sizing out the window. We've talked about this in previous episodes. That's a lot easier said than done. But I think that um, you just have to look at measurements and decide like those numbers don't mean anything uh, because they no longer signify like one specific size. I'm a different size in every single brand. So especially when you're looking at like leather like that um, and, and back to these sort of like jackets, which is my main knowledge base, but I'll talk in a second about other types of leather garments is just really like looking at all these measurements because in some you'd be a small and in some you'd, you'd be a large. You just don't know. So I think that that's something that's really important to look at. I would say for the most part, I don't care that much about zipping up leather jackets so I can buy smaller ones. That's something to consider. Like, I don't know how often you're really zipping them up. But let's talk about other pieces of leather, like pants, Sarah. Have you ever had any leather pants? Never. I never have. I don't even know if I've ever tried them on. I've got a friend. She's much taller than me. And so she's got these nice long legs and she has a pair of, they're thin, you know, cause you kind of think leather pants are like, oh, they're gonna, you know, if you sweat inside them, oh, it sounds so uncomfortable. And they're kind of like, they'll like make noise when you sit down. She's got a pair of very thin, but they're leather pants and they look great. I'm actually a fan when it's, when it's done well. 
So I have a pair of secondhand theory leather pants that I, they're like one of my favorite pairs of pants. They're so warm. They're great in the winter. I totally stand a leather pant. Leather pants are really hard to come by ones that like fit you okay and you feel okay about. So like those, you definitely have to look into measurements. Everything gets really weird with leather. Like it's very delicate or it's very firm um, unless it's like really like stretchy based or pleather or something else. But yeah, I like wore those so much. I ripped the butt several times and that's so expensive to repair, but I just love them. And they're like a tailored cut and they have like a regular waistband and everything. And they're just totally bomb. I think everyone should try leather pants. So all INGO listeners, I dare you to try leather pants. They're great. Okay. So again, and forgive me because I only go to cold climates a couple times a year. And so I don't know what I'm doing. I always bring all the wrong stuff, but you said that they're great because they keep you warm. Much as as in D.C., it's snowing outside. Maybe you have to walk four blocks type thing. Okay, you're going to wear like a nice big jacket and a scarf, maybe a hat and your leather pants, right? And you feel great. But then you go into a restaurant that's all heated and nice. Are you sweating inside the leather pants? No. No. Okay. So they're fine if you're warm, but they help you if you're cold. Well, if you're buying vintage, so these are not vintage. If you're buying vintage leather pants and you're listening to this and you're like, I can rock leather pants, which like you can rock rock leather pants. Vintage ones like vintage jackets are extremely heavy. Like those, again, are made for being on a motorcycle and like being flung off and not like you know, ripping your whole leg off. So (laughs) like I could never wear a pair of vintage leather pants. Like they're so heavy. They're so thick. Those are not pleasant at all. These are thin enough and like buttery enough that they're totally fine. And I love them and I stand. And then the most obvious secondhand leather thing that we've, we've talked about some, but we're going to have a whole dedicated episode on handbags is you know, secondhand leather bags. I don't know. I feel like that's that's an important thing to consider when you're buying it secondhand. Like, Sarah, do you have any secondhand leather bags? I do. My very favorite, was about to call it a travel bag just because I use it often because it's a little too big to just sort of like carry around day to day. It is a great sort of kind of hobo shrug something. I don't even know what, what it's called, but a friend of mine, I didn't actually buy it at a secondhand shop, but a friend of mine was getting rid of it for some reason. And she's just, she has like great style. And so she, I don't know, she just maybe like has so many great bags that she didn't need this particular one. And she was like, do you want this? And I'm like, oh my God, yes. And in fact, I I, I made the admission in a couple episodes ago that i didn't really know what dust bags were before. And she had given me the dust bag for the bag because she was living in a different city from me at the time. So it came in the mail, you know, and I was like, oh, that's so cute. She like added a cute little, I don't know what this fun travel bag (laughs) thing is, but like how nice of her. Like she gave me like a little extra present. Well, it was a dust bag for the bag, which I still have because it's like really cute and had a cool pattern. But yeah, it's it's my absolute favorite bag and I didn't pay a cent. Well, that's the best kind of secondhand. Yeah, I'll say. Free 99, which uh, by the way, I need to send you those vintage Levi's that will never fit me from France. Um, but no, when you're getting into bags, I mean, this is a whole other podcast episode, a million things. But what I will say is a lot of the same rules apply. If it's damaged, the chances that you can repair it are not slim, but it's going to be expensive. And it depends on the brand, too. Uh, So some of it might be worth it and some of it might might be worth it for the price cuts. So like if you're going after a Chanel, a St. Laurent, a Gucci, and it does have leather damage, that will tank the price. So if you're buying it, that is something that's good to know because you can get it for much less money. And if you don't mind that there's like a, you know, people get really, really serious about conditions of things. I personally 
normally like things in somewhat used condition so they don't feel bad or I feel like I have to tiptoe around with a handbag. But particularly with more expensive leather handbags, there are different kinds of treatments and then there are different kinds of leather. So cowhide, you have lambskin, you have synthetics, you have, you know, vegetable leather, which is like what a Mansur bag, Gabrielle bag is, which are ones that I like, which are vegan. Then you have pebbled, which is a kind of treatment. If you look at some of these bags, it's like sort of more of textury. Those are really harder to damage. Um, And then with something like a lambskin, every scratch is going to show. So if you are buying it, that's great. But if you're selling it, you need to be really careful. Um, And it, it can be hard because a lot of this stuff gets scuffed up and then you don't get as much money. So use those dust bags, please. So I know we talked already in last week's episode, actually, about cleaning leather and the fact that you have to be kind of careful. If you're going to dry clean it, you're going to expect to spend a little bit more money. might have to get sent out. might take a little bit longer. My leather jacket, my black leather jacket from All Saints that I love so much, I have never washed it. I've never worn it without something underneath, so it doesn't feel dirty to me. But I mean, the jacket has been around the block. And I do notice that around the neck, because it's got sort of an oversized collar. And it's funny because it's not like I'm wearing makeup on the back of my neck. So it must just kind of be like skin and sweat and just whatever over time. It has kind of discolored the top of the collar. It doesn't look that weird. It just looks like it's not a new jacket. But it is something that I would like to take out if I could. Yeah, so that's going to be really hard to get out. So cleaning leather, as I said, is expensive. Some of it will work and some of it really won't. Um, That is more of a wear thing that honestly, like leather wears, you see the wear. That's why some of it's great. That's why it looks great over time. It gets beat up. But that sort of thing, you just can't repair. You kind of have to just embrace it. You have to embrace it. Um, You can try sending it to the cleaners and get a quote estimate from them before they do it. I've done that a couple times and they're like, it's going to be $125 to clean this. And I'm like, no, thank you. I will just keep it. You know, sometimes as it's vintage leather, they really hold scents. Like leather holds and absorbs so much scent that sometimes you have no choice but to clean it. Mm-hmm. Or like there are varying ways to get out scents of things. Like some are more deranged than others. Like some are coffee beans. I got like a purse, like put coffee beans in it. Don't do that. Please don't do that. It like not only didn't work, but then everything smelled like coffee beans. And like it, it was just like trading one scent for another. Like it's that's not a good idea. Right. Um, coffee beans at the wrong time of day would mess me up. It wasn't even that. Then it smelled just like old vintage and coffee beans. So it was just like it was like just a waste. And I don't have outdoor space. So it just was smelly and very frustrating. So I had to pay for it. So that's one option. Another, if you're going for something really expensive, there's some amazing bag shoe. We haven't really talked about leather shoes as much, but they're amazing repair people. They're expensive as well. But if you're going for a big ticket item, I will link to, I've never used them before and I'm trying to remember the name, but they're like world renowned for repairing extremely expensive handbags, like almost like exactly. And it's not cheap. And I think you can get a quote for them and you have to mail it to them. But you do have options. They're just expensive and time consuming. So like I'm too lazy for a lot of those scenarios. But I think that it's definitely an option. It's something you can do. But just know that it's going to be labor intensive, time intensive and cost prohibitive. So like if there's a jacket you love and you hate one part of it, like you have to sort of assume it's going to stay. There are a lot of online remedies 
for cleaning things, making your own sort of like leather treatment. Go to your local if you have a local like shoe guy or leather person. Talk to them about cleaning it, but also talk to them about sort of best practices for making sure that whether it's treating something or having them do something to a pair of shoes or a bag to keep it safe. I think that that's your best bet. world of secondhand leather tell us all about your secondhand leather finds are you dying for a leather jacket did you just get an amazing one do you have a white jacket leather jacket in a very small size possibly Eero for Sarah Lane that would be great (laughs) it really would thank you in advance (laughs) but otherwise you can find us online at ingopodcast.com there you'll find a form to submit a question you can also email us at hello at ingopodcast you can always slide into the dms on twitter or instagram at ingopodcast i've really been having fun sifting through everyone's messages about your finds we got one about a leather jacket not that long ago so please show us your wares and we'll see you soon ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 